Oh, guys, yikes is is all I can say. What an absolutely disgraceful performance from the coach and the team. This was about the worst possible outcome that we could have had. A comprehensive loss. Important players like Tyler Adams are injured and possibly out of these qualifiers. And our coach was completely exposed for all of the issues that the fan bases have been trying to point out for years. And here we are, here we stand at 18 points in the World Cup qualifiers, just one point ahead of fourth place where we would potentially have to go into a World Cup qualifying playoff. So from favoritism to lacking a plan on the field, it was all there in this game. Giassi Zardes started at striker. We played the same old 4-3-3, trying to play vertically against a team that was perfectly happy to lay in a low block. We're going to talk about all of it, and then I'm going to put myself through the personal hell for all of you and watch this Greg Berhalter post-game press conference. So what's up, everyone? I'm Jake. I'm the host of FIFA America. I'm currently living in London, England, working towards my UEFA coaching licenses. I love to discuss and break down everything U.S. men's national team, especially when it comes to our coach and the young core of talent that we have. I just want to say thank you to all of the new subscribers that have joined recently, and especially to the new Patreons that have signed up for exclusive behind-the-scenes content. And if you want to see more of the post-game press conferences, you can go to the Patreon and support the channel as well. Okay, so what was the biggest issue here? Before I even start, I know everyone's probably raring to go. Before I even tell you my piece, I want to hear down below in the comments what you think the biggest issue is and where we should go from here. Should we try and find a new coach? Should we keep Greg until the World Cup qualifiers are done and try and switch before the World Cup? What do you guys think we should do? The fact that every single person that watched this game has a different opinion of what the main issue is just shows how dysfunctional that performance was. And with results like 1-0 against El Salvador, it kind of smooths over, gives us results that we can be happy about, but performances that we're really lacking. And when we have those post-game reactions and breakdowns to those games and we say, you know, they we have some fears about the way that we're playing, all of those things came true against this game, <laughs> against this Canada team. And what was the biggest issue for me? I, I think there are a lot of broad things that I want to say and that I want to talk about. I think for me, really, tempo was the biggest issue. And let me tell you why. Tempo itself wasn't necessarily the biggest issue in this game. And what I mean by tempo is playing quicker, trying to exploit a disorganized defense. All we were doing was starting the cycle from the center backs, playing it slowly. The, the switches weren't fast enough. We weren't going side to side. We weren't disorganizing the defense in any way. And Canada was perfectly fine to sit in their low block because they weren't being disorganized. They weren't having to make difficult decisions. Should I mark Christian Pulisic or should I mark Weston McKinney making an inside channel run? Should I mark Jedi Robinson going down the left flank? There was none of that. There wasn't quick play. Everyone was perfectly happy to take on players one-on-one, -on -one, to play slowly, to play back to our center backs. And I really can't tell you, I really can't tell you what our plan was this game. And the reason that I say tempo was the biggest issue is because we had the exact same issue when we played Canada in Nashville. 
We played slowly. We had the majority of possession. We were perfectly fine to, you know, laissez-faire our way into the final third and then do nothing with the ball. Think about all of the times that the U.S. had a dangerous situation. They were all from moments of individual brilliance when we were playing just a, a fraction faster. I can think about Brendan Aronson's shot on goal or potential Paul Areola's bicycle kick attempt towards the end of the game. Tempo was the biggest issue for me, not just because it was an issue in the game, but it's because it's like we didn't learn a thing about how we played Canada or any of the teams that have played us in a low block in this qualifying round. I mean, Panama played us in a low block, completely destroyed us on the counter. I mean, had a goal off a corner kick and we didn't, <laughs> we weren't dangerous. We, we didn't give them any fears. This is a team with Champions League starters. This is a team with a Champions League winner, the number 10 for Chelsea. And nobody in CONCACAF fears us. That's an issue. And that's a coaching issue for me. That is a coaching issue for me. Now, where do I start with the other pieces? I think I have to say, Jossi Zardes, how, how is he starting a game for the U.S. men's national team in 2022? I really have nothing against Yassi Zardes. I think he's a good player. I think he's a great human being. But there's no world where Jordan Pifak, Josh Sargent, Daryl DK are not better options than Yassi Zardes. And we had Jesus Ferreira and Ricardo Pepe on the bench. There is no plausible reason. There is no reasonable reason why Giassi Zardes is starting a game for the U.S. in a very important World Cup qualifying game. I also think in in these two games between El Salvador and Canada, we kind of flip-flopped who would have been the better striker in those games. If Giassi Zardes has started the game against El Salvador and we were whipping in crosses, Timothy Weah and Jedi and Pulisic were all whipping in crosses desk, Giassi Zardes would have been the perfect striker for that. But instead we had Jesus Ferreira, who's more of a link-up shadow striker kind of false nine player. And in this game, we were playing through the middle. We were trying to play more one-twos. We had plenty of possession. Jesus Ferreira, for me, would have been the, the striker that you would have wanted in this Canada game. And please, like Pepe, why is Pepe not playing? We saw, I mean, in his, you know, 15 minutes, 15 minutes as a substitute, Ricardo Pepe would was one of the more active players in our front three or our front four. So the fact that we have Pifak, Jordan Pifak, he's a Champions League striker for young boys. Josh Sargent is a Premier League striker. I don't care if it's Norwich. He's a Premier League striker. Daryl DK, he, he is injured, but he wasn't when the roster came out. Daryl DK is a much better Giassi Zardes. How are we still playing with these, these, like, I understand that Paul Areola's on the team. I understand that Kellen Acosta's on the team. I understand that Matt Turner's on the team. I have no issue with MLS players, Walker Zimmerman. I have no issue with good MLS talent being backups or being, you know, key pieces when we don't have any other players in this team. But the fact of the matter is there are at least six better strikers, five better strikers than Giassi Zardes. And Giassi Zardes was starting this game against Canada. No excuses for that. That's, 
whatever happened on the field, that is a coach's decision that we all need to look at and point at and bubble up to the surface. I think overall, though, this was essentially a matchup of a good, cohesive team with a great coach playing against a great team with a mediocre coach. As much as Greg has won for the U.S. over the last few years, he is still a good, he's an average to above average MLS coach that didn't win anything, whose brother was in charge of hiring for the USSF. And here we are with a mediocre coach coaching our greatest generation, our most talented players we've ever had to mediocrity in CONCACAF. We are in danger of not making the World Cup again. We we have a 94 or 93% chance of making it. That's a lower percent chance than we had going into Trinidad and Tobago on that last game of the World Cup qualifying in 2017. Now, what do I mean by good team with a great coach? Well, John Herdman had Canada play exactly how they wanted to. And we were dumb enough to play right into their hands. I mean, we <laughs> we played exactly how Canada wanted us to play. We pushed our players high up. We pushed our wingbacks into the attack. We gave them opportunities to have tons of 2v2s and 2v3s between Kyle Laren and Jonathan David, and they were ruthless with their chances. They executed their chances. I really don't care how much possession we had, how many duels we won, how many shots we had. Who cares? The stats that matter at the end of the game is that Canada had two goals and we had zero. Canada had two goals and we had zero. Those are the only stats that matter. Now, it's easy to blame Greg and hold him culpable for this loss. It's easy because, guys, it's obvious that he is the issue. It's obvious that our team is more talented than Canada. Our team is more talented than El Salvador. And yet we have a coach that's leading us to 1-0 victories over minnows in CONCACAF, leading us to 2-0 comprehensive losses against a Canada team that is good, but should be nowhere near beating us, beating us into a pulp 2-0 in a game like that. Now we did, I, I do want to say this, we did need more from our players. We did need more. Weston McKinney was trying to do everything himself. Our defenders lacked at times and Miles Robinson was really at fault for that first goal, getting completely spun by Kyle Lahren and giving him that shot. Matt Turner probably should have done better, but really he was left on an island and Kyle Laren is a good, good talent. So in the grand scheme of things, this loss doesn't really mean much in the World Cup qualifying. Our chances went from 97% qualifying to 92%. But because of the other results, because Costa Rica tied Mexico, because Panama beat Jamaica, this is really bad. This is not good for us. We have great talent and we continue to waste it developing our best years with a coach who hasn't proven that he's capable at this level. Oh, okay. I've said my piece. I want to hear from you guys what you think. But let's watch this post-game press conference from Greg Berhalter and break down all of his answers. Last game, after the after the game in my post-match, I praised the effort of, of a few individuals and thought they had an outstanding effort in the game. This game, I can't single anyone out. I think it was an entire team effort that was outstanding we asked them to be dominant we asked them to embrace the conditions embrace the physicality of the opponent 
And I think we did that and more. Um, it, it's hard for me to remember a performance away from home this dominant um, without getting a result. So yeah, the result hurts. The performance doesn't hurt. Uh, I'm proud of the guys, proud of the way they competed. Um, disappointed to give up the first goal in the fashion that we did from, from our goal kick um, and, and two passes and we give up a goal. That's, that's not how we defend. That's not our, our style of defending. And that's, that, that hurts a little bit. And I think overall, we want to change, uh, we want to, that dominance in possession, we want to translate that into more chances in front of goal. And that was lacking as well. But it was a dominant away performance without a win. And when I think about the big picture of this, um, you know, Canada is clearly in first place. We may drop the third place um, tonight, but we're, we're still in good position in World Cup qualifying. And we want to close out um, this window with a win at home in Honduras to solidify our position. Thank you. Thank you. I don't, I barely even have words to describe how I'm feeling right now. I mean, I really didn't watch this. And if you guys didn't know, again, I, I live in a time zone that's five hours ahead of East Coast. So I really just went to sleep. I was fuming last night. I didn't really read any of the post game stuff. I had a hunch that Greg would be optimistic about how we played, but that is, I'm, I'm fuming, fuming. How can you sit there and say that after we, I mean, from my perspective, am, am I wrong, guys? Like, I feel like we've just been beaten to a pulp and rightly so. Canada completely deserved that result. Completely deserved that result. I mean, wow. That, that honestly, to me, feels like a person that's trying to save their job. Like, I don't personally think he's on the hot seat at all for this U.S. coaching job. But that, to me, seems like he's really trying to be a spin doctor right now, trying to save face. That, I, I, I almost hope he's being disingenuous. I want us to be pissed the fuck off for how we played last night, for our performance for how Canada ran us off the pitch. we Canada played us exactly how they wanted to. How can you say we were dominant <laughs> when Canada had a plan, they played exact to their plan, and they executed it to perfection? I don't care that we had more possession. I don't care that we you know, played with intensity. That doesn't matter. It's 2-0. That's what matters. I, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through this whole, Jesus, that's horrible. I I was expecting him to be optimistic. I was hoping that he'd be a, a bit more bitter, a, a bit more hurt by this to try and improve, but that exceeded all of my expectations for how he feels, at least outwardly. For, for how that game went. Wow. Thanks, Greg. We'll begin with questions and start with Paul Tenorio from The Athletic. Thanks, Michael. Um, Greg, first, could you give an update on Tyler Adams uh, having released him with like maybe a, a month or two? And second, how, how do you uh, start to turn some of that possession and those attacking movements into more dangerous opportunities and to convert into goals? Thank you. 
Yeah, it, listen, it, there's not many ch- at this level. There's not many chances in really tight games, right? In, in difficult games against difficult opponents, um, that that's the greatest question, Paul, and that's the hardest thing to do. You know, I'll add, I'll also add, and and please don't take this as an excuse. Don't don't take this the wrong way, but I'll also add that we're playing on a very narrow field. Um, it probably has the width of Yankee Stadium, and we're playing on a very poor um, field turf. So that also translates into some difficulties in in. Uh... I mean, was it me or did the field seem totally fine? It was playing a little bit fast, but we could connect passes. We could have a good first touch. So yes, it does sound like an excuse. Both teams had to play that way. Canada's chances in front of goal were way better than ours. Way better. They scored two, but they also had that one from Jonathan David, that Matt Turner save that came off that Kyle Aaron should have put away as well. I can only think of two two times when we had good opportunities, the Brendan Aronson shot and the Areola bicycle. Other than that, I mean, Canada had the way better opportunities in front of goal, way more dangerous. And, um, in processing and creating chances, but that's not an excuse. Um, we still want to be better in front of goal. Regarding Tyler, we think it's a, a, a slight hamstring strain, and we have to get more details on it, but that's the initial diagnosis. Chris uh, left the game with a foot injury. Uh, we were playing the last 10 minutes down a man, and, um, and Walker Zimmerman was held out of the game as a precaution because he had a, a slight hamstring um, leading up to the game. He should be fine, though, for next game. Next will be Doug McIntyre from Fox. Like I said in the beginning of this video, it's pretty much the worst case scenario that our key players are getting injured. I thought Walker Zimmerman would have been a good option for this game, actually. Tyler Adams is one of our most important players that we have to, to keep the engine running in the middle of the field. I feel like... This is a time when John Brooks or Cameron Carter Vickers could potentially be a good pick because while I understand Mark McKenzie's probably there for more leadership and, and being a guy in the locker room, we we might have to use Mark McKenzie as our center back. And I'm at a loss for words, guys. We we have better center backs that we could have brought on. This this is not just an issue with how Greg coached this game, but how he constructs his rosters. It's Anthony Robinson's gonna have to play another 90 because we don't have any other left backs. This is really, really disappointing from top to bottom. chances and uh, uh, dominating and all that. How much of a concern is the lack of finishing? You, know, you create chances at some point, you gotta, gotta put it in that. Also, the early goal, you know, have it have, have things so early, how did that impact uh, the rest of the match? You, guys? Thank you. you know, it was one of those game. it was one of those goals that, you know, besides the scoreline, it didn't impact the game too much. We were, uh, we were on it. We were, we were dominating. We were playing with a lot of physicality, a lot of speed in our play. Canada had a very hard time getting rhythm. 
And so it was like one of those games similar to Costa Rica where I didn't think the goal affected us too much. We just picked right up and kept going. In terms of um, the finishing that you're talking about, Doug, I don't think we created that, that many clear-cut chances that we should have finished off. So, like, I don't think today was an issue of poor finishing. And, and listen, I can be wrong. I'll watch the tape again. I think it was more of um, lack of, of chance creation that I think got us down a little bit, lack of precision in the final third. Um, but overall, again, when we talked about what we needed to do to win this game, we checked almost all the boxes, and that I'm pleased with. <laughs> we, I mean, we play that game – 10 more times the exact same way and Canada plays the exact same way. You can't tell me that we're winning more than three, two of those times. So again, there's just like a dissonance between what everybody else is seeing and what Greg is seeing on the field. I, I thought it was especially damning that he said, um, you know, we weren't allowing Canada to play more fluid. They didn't want to. They didn't care if they played fluid or not. They didn't care if they had possession in our side of the field. I, like, I, I again, I just hope this is almost lip service because I worry that he actually feels this way and isn't actually seeing the problems that everybody else is seeing with this team. Next will be Grant Wall. Hi, Greg. Uh that was an easy one grant we knew what the game was going to look like <laughs> we knew it's a, a very narrow field small field we knew it was going to be a very physical game and we thought that jossie would give us that physicality and and from looking at his performance i think he did that again i don't think we got him enough service in the box to, to get him dangerous he's good on crosses but um he certainly gave them a hard time both on and off the ball. Next would be Steve. Okay. To Giassi's credit, I thought he had a good first half. But there's no... You put any other coach that is a good coach in charge of the U.S. men's national team, nobody is picking Giassi Zardes to start this game. Nobody. Like I said, you know, 10 minutes ago, <laughs> there are five other strikers that are ahead of Giassi Zardes in this pool. I know that the U.S. has an issue right now with their number nines, but there is no world, no world in which we live in that Giassi Zardes should be starting. I'm okay with him being on the team if we have some injuries, if he's an impact sub, blah, blah, blah. No world where he's starting a game for the U.S. Stephen Goff from the Washington Post. And that's still on Greg. That's still on Greg. Is there a clear striker on this team? Or are you going to continue to have to take guys in and out depending on on performance and form? Where do you think things stand at that position? Um, Again, I think that all these opponents are different. All of them bring different elements. And we want to... So, no. That... If there's a certain number nine, that's our best number nine. He's playing against all of these opponents, no matter who they are. Now, if you had told us that two games into this qualifying window, Ricardo Pepe would have 
15 minutes of playing time, we'd all be scratching our heads and wondering, was he injured? Why was he held off? And yet here we are, Ricardo Pepe, who everyone thought was our starting number nine, has played 15 minutes in this qualifying window. The best striker that we think can get the job done in that particular game, you know, so it will be a, a game plan specific striker. Now, Ricardo, Ricardo's a player that just went over to Germany. He's just breaking in there. And I'm sure he's going to have a long runway with the national team. And it's just about getting him confidence and getting him game time at the highest level. And I think he'll, he'll eventually do that um, with Jesus and, and Josh. So it's a good way to get him confidence to have him on the bench and not get playing time. Like everything that he says is the opposite from what's happening from the action that is occurring. See, you know, they're not in season yet. So it's hard to really see the form that they're in to say, okay, this is the guy who's going to be leading the line for three games in a row. So part of it is game plan specific. And part of it is the, the form of our strikers um, that were, that were choosing other guys for other games. They said part of it's choosing the form of the strikers. And then he also just said that Jesus Ferreira and Jesse Zardes aren't in form. <laughs> they don't have a season to be in form. Like, this is crazy. Next will be Sam Stasekel. Am, am I being insane or is this crazy? Well, they couldn't handle our physicality, Sam. That's plain and simple. They, they, we were running them all over the pitch. And when you look at duels, no, we weren't. Um, our pressing, you know, they had a very, very hard time dealing with what we were giving them. So, you know, I think we dealt with it more than what, more than all right. Um, again, when you're talking about the size of the pitch, when you're talking about a small pitch, you know, purposely lined to, to be to be 70 yards wide or 69 yards wide, you know, it makes it more combative. But I think we dealt with it well. Next will be Ron Blum from the Associated Press. I mean, what what more can I say there? I thought Canada was very physical with us. I thought we were very frustrated throughout the game. The ref let a lot more play go through than that El Salvador ref, and we were frustrated. Yeah, we had some good physical plays, but he's talking like we completely controlled the game like we were bowling them over at every opportunity like we won every duel and that's just not the case and that again like it's fine to be optimistic but he's he's almost like over engineering or like over inflating what has happened and i'm wondering again if that's his own ego or if that's him trying to save his job, or if that is really just how he feels. Hey, Greg, as you look ahead and you try to judge where this team is qualifying, is it simply win the last two home games and then, or is your calculus different? And with the forecast for Minnesota on Wednesday now below zero, is it still 100% that the game's going to be there? So regarding World Cup qualifying in the big picture, as I mentioned, our our focus right now is finishing off the window um, with a win against El Salvador. We know it's easier said than done, but that's going to be our goal. That's going to be our focus. Honduras. If we do that, um, uh, we'll be in good position. And then it's about going into the last window and getting results. And, um, you know, we're confident we have a team that can do that.
regarding Minnesota, I haven't checked the, the latest temperatures, but as far as I'm concerned, the field is good and it's a green light. Next will be Jeff Carlisle from ESPN FC. Hi, Greg. Um... I just need to say that, um, you know, our, our picking of these locations might bite us. It's at, at one point, it's good that we don't have to travel a lot, that our international players can kind of stay in one, you know, relatively small place the entire window but at the same time why are we creating situations where we are leveling the talent on the field with bad conditions that really has to be asked and if minnesota does not go well if we do not play well or up to our standard against honduras honduras is now in last place they are out of qualifying and we don't get three points there, there have to be questions asked about choosing the location and what happened in this window. Do you, you had some transition opportunities at times. It, it seemed you guys were, well, you know, reluctant to really kind of go at them and settle for the Casamino square backwards. I mean, why don't you think your team was more aggressive in some of those opportunities? You know, I agree with that, Jeff. I think uh, that was one of the talks at halftime was when we win the ball in good positions, can we get forward? And, and some of it had to do with maybe the passing angle to a teammate. that They thought it was too risky of a pass. But we're, we're certainly in positions at times where we could have been more aggressive in offensive transition, um, and we didn't capitalize on it. Well, I'm glad you said one thing that I agree with, <laughs> and that is to do with tempo. Again, our, some of our better opportunities were in transition. The Brendan Aronson run where he didn't get a shot off. Th those were all in transition when we played quickly. And I, it's just frustrating, just frustrating. But at least, at least he had the, the wherewithal to say one thing about what his team could do better. Next would be Ryan Talmadge from Goal.com. They're top of this table, and this is really all news for them. They're a team that's that's grown immensely over the cycle. So, what is it that's that's allowed them to do that? They're they're in these games where they aren't necessarily dominating the ball or, or having the better of the play. But how have they kind of pulled it off to, to go to where they are now? Yeah, I don't think they dominated much of anything tonight, to be honest. But give them a lot of credit <laughs> for their resiliency. And and one thing that separates Canada from from most of the other teams in the in the group is the quality of their strikers and their ability to finish a, a really small amount of chances. You know, they didn't have anything, many chances in this game, but they were able to finish it off. And that, and that first one is a great example. You know, it's a, it's a play out of nothing that two quality players make and, um, and gives them the win. So, you know, they deserve credit for that. They've been doing it. They've been resilient, all qualifying window. They're leading the group for a reason uh, because of that. And, um, you know, again, wish them well in all the rest of their games. We are leaving tonight, so we will. I, again, we, the U.S. did not dominate this game. We, we played exactly into Canada's game plan. In my mind, if someone sets 
sets a trap or sets a way that they want to play and you play right into that and they go away with a 2-0 victory in my mind that's dominating <laughs> you you dominate someone with you had a plan and you executed and the other team fell for it or they didn't execute theirs in my mind canada dominated that game pa- canada dominated us they frustrated us we weren't able to play through it all, we didn't get many chances. We were dominated, and it's that it's that simple. We will take two more questions for Greg. Next will be Henry Bushnell. Hey, Greg, appreciate your time. Um, sorry if I missed this earlier. I got a bit late, but did you? Uh, what did you see on the goal? What was the what was the reason for it? And I guess the second part of that: Did you guys at all consider not playing goal kicks on the middle of the field because it was cold? I don't think cold affects goal kicks too much. Um, you know, there was a bit of win there, and I think it might have been a, a little bit of a mishit by Matt that the, the defender got the read on and, and had a nice long clearance. And then from there, it was it was a one-two combination, and um, they got around us. I, I still think it's avoidable, but um, you know, give them credit. It was a good finish by Larry, and um, you know, he's been scoring all window. He scored against us in the first game. He's a quality player. Last question. If you'll notice on the goal kick when Canada scored and on our corner kicks that they were always trying to just scream out. As soon as they got the ball, they were rushing into our half to try and counter us. And they had, you know, whether they were good scenarios for them to score or, you know, we did well. There was one where Eunice Musa tracked uh, Buchanan back and Tyler Adams made a nice defensive play. You could see that that was their plan, and we fell hook, line, and sinker for it. question goes to Jonathan Tannenwald from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank you, Michael. Greg, uh, it does go back to the striker question. I know you talked a little bit about um, the group that you have here, and maybe you could expand a little on whether you're satisfied with it. But also, in a broader perspective, I think it's only three of the goals this team has scored in qualifying has come from a striker in quotes so far. Obviously, there's a lot of players that have scored goals, but is that tally from the striker pool specifically satisfactory? You know, I would have to go back, Jonathan, look at the chances that they're getting and see see how they're converting them. But overall, we know that generally we get we create chances for our striker with our game model. And we believe that we have quality guys that can finish them off. Um, you know, scoring goals is the yeah. hardest thing to do. Yeah. But I'm confident the, the group was going to get it right. And, um, you know, we have another opportunity on Wednesday to work on that. But it's not, you know, it, to me, it's it's not an issue. I think I, we look at the whole team. We look at the whole team of how we're moving, how we're moving the ball, and how we're getting into dangerous areas. Okay, so that was that was hard to watch. I, I'm just going to leave you guys with this. I think there's a disconnect between what we're all seeing and what Greg's seeing. I think there are very obvious and glaring issues with this team and the way that we set up, the way that we play opponents. That seems to be a consistent issue with this coach. And I don't really know where to go from here. I don't know if there's a better coach that's available that would want this job. I don't know if it's a good thing to change coaches this late in qualifying. I don't know if it's a good thing to change coaches between qualifying and the World Cup. 
I'm just kind of at a loss for how we got into this situation, how we got ourselves <laughs> into this with Greg Berhalter's brother being a high up ranking official in the USSF with Greg Berhalter not being, you know, a, a successful national team coach. And now it's all kind of coming to a head where again, we find ourselves in the same situation. We are in danger of not making the world cup because of this. We are one point off the playoff spot in fourth. We have a home game against Honduras. We need to keep winning. And then this last window away to Mexico, away to Costa Rica and Costa Rica is having a resurgence. They're climbing up the table now. So it's not looking great. And I really appreciate you watching. If you want to see the other press game or post-match press game, post-game press conferences. Jesus. Post-game press conferences with the other players. I think I saw one for Miles Robinson. I'll have those up and available on Patreon later today. The link is down below if you want to support the channel even further. Make sure to like the video so more people can find it and subscribe for more USMNT content. I'll see you all later. Peace.